The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. So we are continuing in our series on Luke 13, um, or the book, The Diary of the Disciple. Uh, but I'm looking at Luke 13 today. There are a number of stories in Luke 13. Okay. And uh, what I want to do today is just look at some of the lessons that we can learn from this chapter uh, of the Bible. Now, a couple of things first. Now, Paul said to Timothy that the Bible is there for correction, for instruction in right living. So the first thing to say is when we are reading the Bible, we are looking for how to live. Okay? The lessons from the Bible are giving us how to live. So when you're reading the Bible, bear that in mind. The second thing I want to say is um, I read that um, firstly you've got to hear something seven times or more for you to actually take action. Okay, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, actually, you will have forgotten half of what you hear today in 24 hours. Okay? And if you fast for the week, 90% of what you've heard. Okay, what does that mean? Well, if you hear something today that the Lord is saying to you, you have to write it down. Because you won't remember in a week. And if you don't remember in a week, then remember this story Jesus said, that if you see yourself in the mirror, and then you walk away, then you completely forget what you saw. So there's a, a, little, um, a little tip for you. If you hear something that God's speaking to you, write it down, because you won't remember in a week. Right, let's start with the story that Marcus read. The story of the narrow door. Okay, now... I'm just going to give you some, uh, um, I guess, lessons from my reading of the Bible. For me, the first lesson is you need to be aware of nice alternatives. Beware of nice alternatives. Jesus said the door is narrow. Okay. For me, Jesus also said, by the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to me except through that door. I once heard something um, that stuck with me. And um, someone was explaining that if, if someone has a goal that they're really focused on, and you can't, shift, you can't seem to shift them from that goal, the next best thing you can do is give them a number of good alternatives. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to divide their attention, divert their attention to compromise their focus on that goal. And we see that a lot in the Bible with Jesus. When people come over here, come over here. He said, no, no, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly where I'm going. And that must be us with our faith. The door is narrow. Jesus is the only way. Now, we live in a world where that is hard to take 
because there are a lot of nice alternatives. Things that in our human minds, you, you can go, yeah, that sounds reasonable. That, that sounds okay. But we need to beware of nice alternatives. There is no other way except this narrow way. No other way. And in a way, we have to be narrow-minded on this particular topic because this is the only way to salvation. And Jesus was a brilliant example for us. The other thing we learn from that story is time is of essence. Because it says that there will come a time when the door is shut. The door is shut. Now we know that there are two ways. Either God says our time on earth is ended or Jesus comes back. But either way, there is coming a time when it's too late. The decision is too late. So that decision should be made today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're not committed to him, today's the day for that decision. Not tomorrow, not next week. So that's the first lesson we want to look at. Beware of nice, sensible-looking alternatives. They don't lead to God. Only Jesus does. Only Jesus does. Now, at the beginning of Luke, some people come and tell Jesus about these um, Galileans that had been killed by the, governor, the Roman governor. And, um, and they were describing this very gory situation where, you know, I don't want to go into the details, there was blood involved and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they were telling Jesus that. And Jesus' response is interesting. In a way, Jesus said, you, you kind of want to worry about yourself. Yeah? Because in a way, you're probably thinking, and, and we do this a lot, when people go through really difficult situations, really challenging situations, sometimes we're tempted to think that somehow they've kind of caused it, they've kind of brought it on themselves, or you know, they've done something to deserve what they're going through. Um, but Jesus is saying, don't focus on that. Focus on yourself. And he talks about repentance. Repentance. You repent. Because he said, if you're not careful, you could end up like the same people you're describing. So you focus on yourself. So the lesson we pick from that first story in Luke 13 is one of repentance. Our heart needs to be right with the Lord. Repentance is not just about coming to church. I often think that when we get to heaven, no one's going to be asking, so, right, okay, which church did you say you go to again? Well, that church isn't here. No, no, no. It's going to be you, your heart. Not, oh, yeah, you've got, uh, when we get the school report, you know, they say the attendance, 94% attendance. Or, that's not a criteria for heaven. Church attendance is not a criteria for heaven. It is, what did you do with Jesus? Okay. Repentance. And the second point, as I was alluding to, is you don't want to assume that someone is extra bad because of what they're going through or because of the, uh, the difficulty of their life. 
we know for a fact, as because we read in the book of Job, that Job has done nothing wrong to justify the suffering, the intense suffering. Imagine today one of the top ten richest people in, in Britain. Let's imagine for a minute Christian as well. Top ten Christian, everyone knows them, child of God. They've got a few children, and then in one day, all their children die. In what looks like an act of God. And then, on the same day, they find out that someone's been cooking the books in their company. And the whole company collapses, and they go bankrupt. On the same day. Now, let's be honest. How many of us would think, I don't really think they were a Christian? That's what we would think. But this story is showing us that's not where we ought to be putting our head. We ought to be going, God, have mercy. Have mercy on this person. Because in truth, we don't know. We don't know. So that's a lesson for us as we read through the Bible. It's not our job to work out whether they're suffering because they're a Christian. Because we know for a fact that they don't equate. Because we read our Bibles and we learn from our Bibles. They don't equate. So our job ought to be, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. That ought to be the position that we take. Remember I said earlier that the Bible is there really to show us how to live, how to respond to things so that we're not responding in the same way the world would respond. Because let's be honest, that would be the way. You could just imagine the headlines, especially if it's been a vocal Christian, if it's been someone who's actually been out there saying God is good and all this kind of stuff. Imagine the headlines that we would see. That ought not to be our position. Then the Bible goes on to tell us the story of the, the fig tree. So here is the owner of the tree going around, gets to the tree and decides, and looks and sees there is no fruit on this tree. So do you know what? It's been three years. Cut it down. I've had enough of this tree. It's taking up space. It's not produced anything. Cut it down. Let it go. Let it go. But then the gardener says, do you know what? Give me... One more year. Let me try again. Let me dig around it. Let me put fertilizer. I'm not a gardener. And I don't, yeah, it's not my thing. <laughs> but I know there's a lot of dirt involved. And uh, I remember growing up, um, some of the stuff they used for manure. Goodness me. So, oh, no thanks. Um, so you could just imagine the gardener. There is a little bit of dirty work involved in trying to get this tree to produce fruit. There is a little bit of work, sometimes hard, dirty work involved in us trying to intercede for others. Trying to intercede for others. Now remember the story of Moses when the children of Israel um, when Moses goes up to the mountain and uh, is there having a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord and 
the chin reason like oh, this guy's gone for a while you know Aaron can you just make us something else we want to worship something and Aaron decides to make this golden calf he looks at the response and sees that oh this is making them happy so right this is your God and the Lord said to Moses get down there because the people you left they've turned I've had enough of them I'm going to wipe them out what does Moses do God no no no, God, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, the Egyptians are going to say, wow, he took them out. He couldn't help them anymore. So he's kind of just buried them somewhere in the desert. That's what they're going to say. Don't do that, Lord. And the Lord relented. Now, contrast that with Jonah. Okay? The Lord says, go and tell the people of Nineveh, I'm going to wipe them out. Firstly, he didn't want to go. Eventually, he did go. And then when he gets there, they decide, oh, God, forgive us, we're going to repent. And he's mad as hell. So, like, no, I actually wanted them to be wiped out. One of the lessons I pick out from this story of the fig tree is we ought to be like Moses, not like Jonah. I think sometimes when someone has made our life a bit of a misery. And then they, let's say, get what's coming to them. What's our response? Good. Good for them. They deserve that. Again, the Bible is saying, not you. Not you. That should not be your response. Because we're seeing from the story here of the gardener, let me pray again. Let me do something. Let me, let me do something. Let me do something. We should not be those who rejoice that someone is suffering or has had what's coming to them. That should not be us. We should be those who are praying people into the kingdom. That's what we should be doing, praying people into the kingdom. The other lesson, of course, we learn is the tree looks like it should be producing fruit. Again, I go back to my point about coming to church. You know, we can come to church. We can look like a Christian. We can have the facade. We can have the words. But if our life is not producing the fruit, we are exactly like that tree. The the, the master said, cut down. Let's say God has put you in a place to go and make peace. By the way, peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit. But actually, you end up amongst those who are stoking the fire. There's going to come a time when God says, enough. I need someone else here because I actually need someone to make peace. It's our job to produce fruit. Now, we don't produce fruit. It's actually the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit. It's our job to go before the Lord and to spend time with the Lord so that he can produce the fruit in us. Now, if you're wondering what kind of fruits are we talking, well, you can read it in Galatians 5, 22 to 26. And some of the fruit the Bible talks about, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Can you tick them all off? 
in every circumstance, in every situation? Can you tick all of this off? I know I can't. It's the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit and directs our life. So the lesson for me from there is time in God's presence so we can produce fruit. But also that we act as intercessors. We don't rejoice at people's downfall, but we pray. We pray for people. That's the role we should play. That's the role we ought to play. I'm just going to touch on one more. And that is the story of the mustard seed that Jesus said. The Bible says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And some, a lot of times we associate that with faith. But having faith. But I want to look at a slightly different angle, which is really about small beginnings. One of my favorite um, scriptures in the Bible is from Zechariah 4. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. That should come up on your screens. Verse 6 says, Then he said, This is God's message to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You will succeed because of my spirit, though you are few and weak. And then in verse 10, it says this, Do not despise this small beginning. For the eyes of the Lord rejoice to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. For these seven lamps represent the eyes of the Lord that see everywhere around the world. I love this because for me, it simply says even a little faith goes a long way. A little faith goes a long way. And I often remember this when we're starting small. Remember a few weeks ago I talked about the outreach plan. The fact that we want to reach every home within 15 minutes walk of this church. And there are, who knows, 50,000 homes. How? I don't know. How long? But the wonderful thing about faith is we just start and we believe God. We begin, we believe. That's what faith is about. And here, God is actually, this is actually a time when the children of Israel are uh, in captivity. And God's telling them, don't worry, you're going you're gonna to own homes, you're going to build houses. I mean, that was a far cry from the position they were in at that time. But God is saying, have faith. Because ultimately, it is not by power. It is not by might. It is by your spirit. We need to get away from, every time a circumstance or situation arises, the first thing we, the first thing we do is we, we take an inventory of our resources. What do I have? What can I get? Uh, what can I do? That's the first thing we do. But actually what we ought to do is what David used to do. Lord, what shall I do? Because it is not by power. It is not by might. It is not by power or might. It is by his spirit. 
by his spirit. So hold on to that faith. Hold on to that faith. Now last week I know Pastor Jonathan focused on putting God first. And for me this message is also about putting God first. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. The greatest commandment. You can read that in Mark chapter 12. The greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Put God first in everything. I'm going to ask you to stand. Now, I'm going to ask us to do something whilst the band starts to play. I want us to pray for one another. Um, it might be a bit uncomfortable, but I want you to find someone else that you're going to pray for. So it's a very simple prayer. We're going to pray for God to help them to put God first in their lives. But I want us to pray one for another. Because that's what the Bible asks us to do. Pray for one another. So someone next to you, if you don't know their name, ask their name. Okay. (laughs) We're going to pray one for another. Just pray that God will help them to put him first. Father, Lord, we just thank you. We bless you. We praise you, Lord. Help your people to put you first, help us to put you first in all things help us to put you first in everything that we do help us to put you first in everything we do help us to put you first Lord in everything we do we know it is not by power or might we know it is by your spirit So we're asking you, Lord, to help us because we need your help. We need your help, Father. We need your help, Lord. We need your help. Come and help us, Lord. Come and help us to put you first. Come and help us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.